0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash loss That's plushcare.com slash loss plushcare.com slash loss Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for joining me and making this part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. I hope that you've had a good start to your weeks. I hope that Tuesday, which is, if I'm very honest, it's the worst day of the week. It's Tuesdays is the worst day. People like to say it's Monday. But no, because Monday, I feel the most rested. The weekend comes by, football's back, I feel energised. Monday, I'm like, yeah, we're going to tackle this week. And then Monday hits you and you're like, oh, Tuesday. Tuesday is tough. Very, very tough, indeed. So yes, uh, indeed, we are back and ready uh, to take on the news, as always. And uh, I look forward to breaking it down with you. Uh, Good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Uh, Good morning. Uh to Matt G, to Kevin, to James, good morning to Nate to Rich, Kaiser, good morning to uh, other James as well. Uh Femi, MJ Ten, Temi, Olu, Jacob, or Jakob, uh, Martin, Jake, Matt G, Jasha, uh, Carl, Mark, Steve, Martin, Chris, and Josh. Plenty more of you all tuning in to the chat box as well. I saw someone asking, Phil says, Where's Morgie's picture? It's right here. I was at the office yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to uh to put it up, but don't worry. I feel like it should go up elsewhere, you know, in the house. I feel like putting it behind me, having a picture of yourself on the wall, <laughs> in your office, in plain view of the camera. I feel as though it is it is, it's quite a self-centered thing. So we're going to find a place for it in the house. Don't you worry. It's going to be going up so that any visitors I have can peruse it with pure joy uh and uh and amusement as well so don't you worry Morgie's artwork and fine work that it is will be uh rewarded with its rightful place in the house right let's um without further ado crack on with today's stories and we're gonna start with a rant uh as you can probably expect um Wolves have received an apology from the PGMOL after a VAR mistake costing them what could have been, had they have scored that penalty, a very important point against Manchester United, uh, who won 1-0 Old Trafford last night. I cannot kind of really explain, using words that I would love to use, how frustrating, angry, just so annoyed it makes me with this sort of thing happening. In the first weekend of a brand new season, they are having to apologise for their ineptitude, really, um, at making the correct decisions in games. This is what generates people's view that more than meets the eye is going on. And these allegations that I I cannot, other than understand why people have them, because I absolutely empathise why people have their views because it just makes me doubt the legitimacy of the competition when things so blatantly obvious that tens no hundreds potentially thousands and millions of people can see that it's a it's a penalty everyone can see it's a penalty so why is the person that has got to make the decision and that has trained and has prepared for the brand new season, why are they unable to make the right call? Like, I get when there are things that are a lot more subjective, like what a deliberate handball might be. You know, I get that. I get that. You know, what constitutes serious foul play in terms of a red card. But when a goalkeeper misses the ball and takes out another player completely late, where anywhere else on the field were an outfield player to do the same, that they would be punished with a foul, can it not be given? And shame on Eric Ten Hag as well, because Eric Ten Hag could have had the humility after the game to say, we were very lucky, which he did, by the way, but he then proceeded to say that he didn't think it was a penalty. Just own up to it. If this was the other way around, the shoe was on the other foot, and this was Arsenal, I'd be saying, we were incredibly lucky and it should have been a penalty. And I hope that Arteta would have done the same. Or at least pulled a Wenger and said, I've not seen it yet. You know, there's no shame in saying that you've not had enough time to look at it if you've only seen it from the side of the pitch without the benefit of replays. I get that. But to say that you don't think it's a penalty, shame on you. You're part of the problem. And I hope to high heaven that Eric Ten Hag does not complain about an officiating decision for the rest of this season. Because if he does, he's a hypocrite. It's as simple as that. Because it is the only reason that he's saying that he doesn't think it's a penalty is because it's his team that it goes against. This is unacceptable. It's wrong. And when you want to go out of your way to punish refer uh, to punish coaches for you know more than what is deemed acceptable touchline behaviour with yellow cards and book Gary O'Neill as well for that reaction when all that we saw from the side of the field in that moment was a blatant penalty being not given. I'm sorry, but you can't be pa- punishing people. When the people doing the punishing can't get their jobs right. It's ridiculous, stupid, and quite frankly, an embarrassment to the game that it is. And Wolves should be feeling very, 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 very hard done by it, as we were last season with, of course, our game against Brentford. So there you go. Uh, moving on to more direct Arsenal-related news. Uh, Nicolas Pepe has agreed a three-year contract with Besiktas, reportedly, according to reports coming out of Turkey. However, uh, there is still yet to be an agreement between the player and Arsenal about a potential a, a kind of mutual termination of his contract, if that is indeed the route that they want to go down. Arsenal have been reluctant at this stage. They've wanted to try and get a transfer fee. Besiktas have been very reluctant themselves to get... Uh, or come to any kind of agreement over a transfer fee. Arsenal will be hoping that something can be done so that they do not suffer financially in any way from this other than the investment that they paid to Lille back in 2019, which of course is a huge waste of money, sadly. Um, But Nicolas Pepe looks to be is going to be on the way out permanently from Arsenal. This season. Gabriel, meanwhile, uh, according to a number of outlets now, especially and those based in Saudi and based here in the UK, is being linked with a move to Saudi Arabia. Uh, the player is said to have been approached by potential clubs. Um, this obviously does follow him being dropped to the bench for the first game of the Premier League season. If Arsenal have, you know, for me, any sense, <laughs> they will not allow this deal to happen unless that they get a ridiculous fee. And I'm talking like sixty million upwards pounds. There's the only one way in which that goes, you know, and you have to, if it's a stupid amount of money, then maybe you can, and you've got a very good replacement. Maybe you can justify it, but it has to be way upwards of 60 million pounds for me, way up, you know, uh, and, and that's the only way I can ever justify it. Potentially even more than that, 70, 80, you know, because Gabriel mid twenties before hitting his prime, Played really well for us last season. For me, he was a better player than than Saliba across a longer period of time in the season. Uh, We can't afford to lose him um, unless we're able to bring in something absolutely mad um, uh, in the reaction of that. So, Gabriel being linked with the move away. but, yeah, let's see what happens. But, fingers crossed, Arsenal do not give in to any um, Saudi moves for Gabriel. Uh, Monaco has said to continue to be leading the race, according to Secret Scout, for uh, for following Balogun. we are still not heard anything regarding another bid as of yet. We know that they've re- rejected one bid already. There have been suggestions that another bid went in at around £40 million, pounds, which also was rejected, but I've not been able to confirm that one. We know that one at 33, £34.4 million, pounds, €40 million, euros, Certainly was rejected. Arsenal have a valuation close to 50. It's my understanding as I've been saying that Arsenal want to at least get a record sale for Follower Balogun if he is to leave this summer. But it does seem that we're edging towards hopefully a conclusion to this in the next couple of weeks, where we have to because the season uh, will be well underway and the window will be closing. But Arsenal will be hoping to get over £40 million pounds if they can for Follower and Balogun in this window. Now, big, big news yesterday, of course, was that we lost... And, and are going to lose Jurian Timber. Jurian uh, Timber suffering uh, a serious knee injury. We're still awaiting proper confirmation about what type of ligament injury it is. However, Mark uh, Mike, sorry, Velvec, um from uh, the Dutch outlet The Telegraph, I believe uh, that he's writes for, has reported that uh, it is an ACL issue. I spoke to Dr. Raj Bra, of course, our colleague from our Eat, Sleep, Arsenal Repeat podcast, who will be hopefully relaunching this Thursday, um, of which I wrote an article on football.london talking about kind of the different timelines. And sadly, if it is a ACL injury that requires surgical reconstruction, it will be a seven to nine month potential absence for Timber to get back to full fitness. You know, it's a minimum of six months and then you've got to get back to full fitness as well and get back to to playing. It is one of the worst things that could have happened to us at the start of the season. And the only good thing, and there is only one saving grace about this news, and that is that we are still in the trance window and that Arsenal still have time between now and the end of the summer to find for me, a absolutely a necessity of a replacement. We have to sign somebody There is not... A, yes, we have depth at left-back and Zinchenko and Kivior and Tomiasu um, and, uh, and Kieran Tierney technically still. Um, yes, we have those replacements. But for me, Timber was signed because of the William Saliba injury last season and it allowed for Ben White to be more of a cover at right-sided centre-back like he played in the first game of the season to some degree. And Timber's signing allowed us to play and have Ben White more so as an option at centre-back, even though Timber himself also can play centre-back. And because of that, losing him for this amount of time, it is imperative that Arsenal sign somebody. The reality of the situation is this, is that Tierney is probably going to move on at some point, either this summer or in the near future. Not only that, but Rob Holding is expected to move on. Not only that, but I can see someone like Takahira Tomiyasu potentially moving on at some point, either this year or next. And so therefore, there is a scope and there has been scope to sign somebody in the defensive area, and I've reported at football. that Arsenal have had a interest in bringing in another right back. Still, this window, someone that offers them something different, and a right back for me is the signing that I would like to see. I would love to see a Mohamed Simakan, for instance, be brought in, someone like that. Of course, I know that Arsenal have had a genuine interest, although they've not formalised that interest in Jeremy Frimpong of Bayer Leverkusen as well, who has been linked with a number of other clubs. Also, Ivan Fresnader is another name that we know Arsenal are very interested in, but. A right-back slash, if they can play centre-back two, like a Simican, for instance, would be a great option. But for me, we have to make sure that we go out and get ourselves uh, another player. Now, there are suggestions that Kieran Tierney could still indeed move on this summer, and so he wouldn't act as uh, technically a replacement. I do think that at left-back, we are still well covered. You've got Zinchenko, you've got Kivior, you've got um, Tommy Asu that can all play there. You've also got Lino Souza, really exciting young talent that's coming through as a potential fourth choice if you really needed it. But we do have three options there. Should we need to or we obviously can move to a different system, move to a back three, which I think we are more than capable of playing in with White, Saliba and Gabriel if you wanted to go down that route. But we have three other options if Tinney was to leave and with Timber out at left back. So I don't think the left back is where we should make the signing. You know, I think it's the right back position that you would look to actually bring somebody in on that uh, right hand side. So it offers you the protection that Timber did allow us uh, before his injury. Uh, but West Ham are said to be considering entering the race for Kieran Tierney. We're still waiting for news on a potential bid on that area, but nothing yet. In regards to a potential Arsenal move forwards, uh, Emmerich Laporte and Joao Cancelo are mentioned as potential targets for Arsenal. Uh, a number of outlets, Sammy Mottbell, John Cross, have all suggested that Laporte and Cancelo could be uh, two options that Arsenal are looking at, but obviously, Laporte is more of a centre back, a left sided centre back who can play left back. Doesn't really fit the mold of what I was thinking that we should be looking to. Um, Cancelo, though, obviously can play right back, can play left back. So that makes a lot more sense. And we know that Arsenal's interest in Cancelo has certainly been real. You know, there's been an interest in him for quite some time. Um, I'm hoping that what we see is, uh, you know, if Arsenal were going to move for a player like that, that they can move relatively quickly. Barcelona are very interested in you know in the player so let's wait and see maybe uh maybe we'll get an update on this one uh, very very soon indeed right Last story um, is that West Ham United um, have opened talks with uh, Kudus, Mohamed Kudus, uh, Ajax as well, you know, over a move because they might be losing Lucas Paquitar. And if they do lose Lucas Pakatar, they see Mohamed Kudus as a player that they might potentially move for. There's been suggestions that the player is open to the move, which I find interesting because obviously it seemed he wasn't open to the idea of moving to Brighton. Otherwise, he would have agreed personal terms with the club. Um Maybe it was the inclusion of a buyout clause that there's been rumoured that Brighton would not have been open to, but that West Ham would be open to. Um, For me, it's a frustration that this timber injury has happened because I think the focus is going to shift from a forward player, which seemed to be something that Arsenal might do had they been able to successfully sell Balogun for a serious amount of money, and we might still do that. Um, But the focus, I think, for Arsenal will turn very much to the defensive area, um, once they've obviously still done some moving out of players, and you know, as far as I'm told, the moving out of players is still remains at this point. You know, we have 15 plus days left of the window. The priority getting Pepe out, getting Balogun out, getting Laconga out, getting Tavares out, uh, Cedric out that still remains a priority right now. So it might be that we see Arsenal move for a player towards the end of the window. We'll have to wait and see. But West Ham looking at Mohamed Kudus at this stage. So there you go. Uh, we are going to move to part two now and go through some of your questions and your comments right after this. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Right then, uh, let's go into the chat box and tackle as many of your questions as we can today. I can imagine that there's going to be plenty, so we're going to be sticking around to answering as many of them as feasibly possible. Um, Sadiq says, is the injury confirmed? So sad. The injury is sadly confirmed in the case of it happening. We're still waiting for details of the specificity of it um, in terms of what the actual ligament is, although there's been rumours in the Dutch press that it is the ACL. That's what the players camp apparently have been saying. Um, but they're waiting to do more tests to get it completely confirmed about what the next stage of the process is going to be. Um, but yeah, it, it's really sucks. It really sucks. I had him down as my signing of the season. It's going to have to take a little bit of a change now, sadly, because of this situation. But uh, he was going to be great and we may not see him now until next season, which is really gutting. Um, Gibby Box says, whatever happened to Brook Norton Cuffey? Uh, again, he's stuck at the club. He hasn't actually moved away from the club yet. There's expectations that a loan move is is probably the, the the next step. I think people have hyped Brook Norton Cuffey up a lot. You know, I think that I certainly was even a bit responsible for that at the start because we talked about him being a really exciting young player. But the reality is that Brook Norton Cuffey is still raw. There's still a lot to his game that needs to improve. There's still a lot to his um you know what we're expecting of him to still get better his crossing needs to improve his decision making in the final third needs to improve and when he was away at both rotherham and coventry it was commented on that, that those areas of his game aren't still of the level of premier league standard player so you know we can hype up these youngsters as much as we like but we have to come to the realization that he still might not be ready uh to join the arsenal team we've also got raw waters of course as well don't forget Raw waters I think he would need a loan. I think he needs to go to a senior club and and play for a season and see what he does. But he's also very highly rated as well. Um, Mauro says, why can't referees also do post-interviews or press conferences to explain their reasoning and decision-making? I don't know, Mauro, but I think that it's absolutely something. I would love to be able to have the chance to speak to referees in the mix zone after games. They walk past us, and we're kind of expected just to walk, allow them to walk past. Don't question them in any way. But yeah you're not going to get an answer if you do because they're not uh they're not contracted to have to stop so yeah uh they should be questioned absolutely uh dt down under says uh, tom another signing must be dependent on departures it's going to be slightly in terms of time and resources we're trying to move on players um it's not to do with necessarily a budgeting thing it's more to do with a financial fair play aspect as well which i know that everybody talking about chelsea um kind of, you know, is saying how can Chelsea be doing all of this stuff and and we're, you know, suffering with trying to get Raya on loan because it's uh, you know, a financial fair play thing. Uh, if you listen to Simon Jordan on TalkSport, he explained the situation with Chelsea really well. He explained why they're not facing any financial fair play question marks right now, but they probably could do in the future if things don't improve on the pitch. Um, so I'd recommend going and giving that a listeners as to an explanation as to why Chelsea currently are actually technically in some ways, um, based upon their outgoings and in- incomings, technically still in-, in some kind of profit, but I think that ignores all of some of the other deals that they've still got um, on the balance sheets, but I don't know. I think it's more so what I do understand is that if they don't improve and don't get back into the Champions League and don't improve their incomes, they are going to be in some serious trouble in the near future. Um, DR says, Tom, Webb said that he was going to fix VAR, and by God, he has fixed it. What do you think? Um... Well, he hasn't fixed it at all, um, and sadly, uh, unfortunately, it is having a detrimental impact on the outcome of the Premier League. If Manchester United were to get into the top four or pip any team by more than a point, there is question marks about how legitimate that position in the table is. Because Wolves should have had a penalty, which you know it doesn't guarantee them a goal, but gives them a great chance of one. Had they been uh, actually been able to to get that chance, and it undermines. The, the league table after a single game week. That league table may not be representative of what it should be had the right decision been made in that game. And that that's what we face at the moment. And Arsenal, you know, we missed out on a couple of points because of the uh, Brentford fiasco. Those two points wouldn't have necessarily uh, closed the gap enough for us to win the league. But who knows what those two points and that win would have done going into the Man City game. You know, we played Man City after that Brentford game. Had we have got that win... Had that goal not have stood, rightly not have stood, who knows what that would have done for the confidence of the side going to Man City. So, it's very difficult and very frustrating, obviously, indeed. Um, LJ says, "Why can't we import foreign referees? Scrap the PGMO and hire refs from abroad." Well, Arsenal, Arsenal, um, the PGMO have hired referees from outside. I believe there is—is uh, is it Garrett? Um, uh garrett something um has uh came from over from australia uh can't remember his surname that's gonna bother me so someone in the chat box helped me out it's the australian guy came over and uh has joined so they are importing you know referees from other nations and from other leagues but you know i certainly always look at the map that they produce of where referees are based and they seem that they're all from up north bar a few that are from the midlands you know very few are down south um it's, it's very, very difficult to understand why th- that there is a lack of diversity amongst referees. Um, there is a real lack of um, diversity. And uh, I feel as though, you know, others aren't being given opportunities. There should be a league table. There should be a situation where referee jared gillett thank you um is the name of the referee i was thinking of and he's not you know he's made some significant mistakes i think as well i think he's been involved in a number of Arsenal games that made some significant mistakes too um there needs to be a league table of for referees you know mistakes should should face accountability referees should be not you know suspended for a week they should have to go and referee in, in a lower league and then the best referee in those lower leagues come up to the premier league that that's that should be happening more regularly than it currently does in my view. So there you go. Um, Let's go to Lee says, why do players that join Arsenal who previously were never injured come to Arsenal and break down? Is it our medical staff or the way that we train? Look, what I do want to say is that the doctors at halftime in the game uh, between Arsenal and Nottingham Forest did all the checks for uh, an ACL or that type of injury. That injury happened in a separate incident in the second half. Now, Obviously, it's really easy to combine those two things. Um, and we don't know how combi- how linked they were to one another. We don't know is the honest answer. And it's, it's very, very dangerous to kind of speculate and suggest that they were linked because it could have been a completely innocuous moment as well. Um, there's been suggestions that people saw the little pop in his knee in that moment. So obviously, it hadn't popped prior to that, prior to half time. So any checks that the doctors do who are far more qualified than any of us, are watching um what i have an issue with is that if there was an issue at the end of the first half if we went down injured you know don't take the risk it's really easy to say with the benefit of hindsight in the benefit of hindsight but we've got all this depth you know we've got all this depth in the squad we could have taken him off it's really easy to say that now as i mentioned really easy to say it but i'm not pointing fingers at the medical team i'm not pointing fingers at the pitch or the training pitches players do just get injured you know, it's it's the reality. It's like uh, I can compare it to the ticket situation. People moaning the about fact, the fact that they're not getting tickets in the ballot system. You know, it happens because the chances are you're going to miss out because there are more people wanting tickets than there are people, and uh, than there are tickets available. Same with this. There is a chance that a player, because there's so many players playing so much football, the injuries are going to happen. You know, th- the chance, the, the probability of happening is there. And so it does um Thomas Parter obviously faced injuries didn't necessarily have them Urien Timber has had injuries at Ajax his last one was in you know last one where he missed a, a number of games was in February 2022 so he had as injuries but he's not had a knee issue as far as I'm aware in terms of a ligament issue but I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure that he hasn't um but they can just happen to players you know I myself you know I, we joke about it on the live show and stuff like that I myself ruptured my ACL and I'd never had an issue with my knee before that point. I'd never, ever, ever done anything to my knee. Never injured my knee. Never injured that area. And yet, when I ruptured my ACL playing football, you know that was a first of it happening. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, that you know, uh, that, that there's an there's an issue with Arsenal with what the pitches here or things like that. I think that I agree with the doc, Dr. Rajbhar. I, I I think the main cause of an increased number of injuries is an increased number of games and an increased demand of minutes, an increase on the number of tournaments that players are having to play, and that's just counting. You know, that's that's not it's it's it's, it's not even debatable. More games, more minutes means more injuries are going to be likely to happen. So that's the reality of the situation. Uh it's just counting, you know. It's it's, it's not a it's not something you can really disagree with sadly. Um Males is is there any post ACL player getting back to their best? Absolutely gutted for Urian. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's loads. Um obviously Tommy Asu had a knee injury he suffered come back to it. Je- Jesus had an MCL issue which I you know, I really kind of hope that it is an MCL thing instead of an ACL because that's the better one to injure which is horrible. Um, but uh, it's very difficult to off the top of my head. I'm sure people in the chat box will tell me players that have had ACL injuries. Um, who's the Italian guy? Zaniolo, you know, he's he's got him back to some really good game time now, being linked back again with Aston Villa, potentially coming to the Premier League. Zlatan, I think, had a serious ACL injury. Yeah, there you go. Omar Zlatan, uh, potentially And Alan Shearer, Alan Shearer, suffered a really serious ACL injury and went on to become the Premier League's top goal scorer. Um, I know that Arsenal have not had the best of times with it. Rob Holding, you know, looked really good um, prior to his ACL issue and then sadly trailed off after his comeback. I think Callum Chambers had a similar thing also. Um, Bellerin, you know, never was the same player after it. I think we've had experiences, sadly, that players have had ACL issues and then haven't been able to come back at Arsenal in the same way. But maybe we'll see a difference. Um, maybe we'll see a difference. So there you go. Uh Byron says, Ramsey broke his leg horribly and, you know, look how they came back. Yeah, exactly. Ramsey came back brilliantly. It was a different type of injury though. Um, you know, I, ligaments can't can't be, you can't, like a bone re-heals. Ligaments don't heal. You know, you have to have reconstruction. Um, you have to have either. So the route that I had is that I had tendons in my hamstring removed and they were then reconstituted into a new, they were twisted and turned into a new ACL ligament. Or a friend of mine uh, had a cadaver ACL, which is where you uh, take a donated from a somebody who has passed on, and you take their ACL in their knee, and you insert that into somebody else's knee. You know, ligaments don't, um acls do not because they don't have a blood supply whereas the mcl has a blood supply so it can but the acl is not supplied by blood so it can't to my understanding and i'm I'm not a doctor but this is the way it's been explained to me they don't heal um so that's why you have to go through reconstruction and uh, either go through the cadaver route or you go through the um the the tendon route um but yeah you can't you can't just stitch back together uh, someone's snapped ACL. Once it snaps, you need to have that replaced. Um, and it's very, very, very difficult to do. That's why you get associated injuries. That's why you, it happens again, because sometimes it's not, it's not going to be a perfect ACL. You know, it's not going to be the ACL that you had prior to that. Once it's gone, it's gone. Um, and uh, what you have afterwards, you can be really lucky. I have been really lucky. You know, the ACL surgery I had was was brilliant. Um, and I've never had an issue of redoing my knee, touch wood, uh, to this point ever. And I've played football plenty since having that surgery when I fully got back to full fitness on it. And I haven't had the expertise uh, and kind of physiotherapy afterwards that, you know, footballers are exposed to. So you can, you know, play football um, to a very high standard. Not I didn't. Uh, footballers certainly come back and can. But there you go. Um, right. Let's go to uh adds to TC you probably covered this already so I apologize but what do you make of the Ashburton army requesting hundred tickets for each home game do you think it's right or should others get a chance as well um to be honest I didn't I didn't necessarily agree with the statement that they put out um, at all um and I think that that's an issue that that, that should have been dealt with very differently um, than the way it was dealt with um and uh, so, yeah, look, I, I'm all in favour of the atmosphere being improved. I'm all in favour of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, mechanisms to try and improve the stadium atmosphere. Um, but if we're going through a ticketing system um, that is, you know, season ticket, I don't know actually like the process. So it's difficult for me to even comment on it because I don't know the process is behind where the tickets have come from, whether this was kind of a group that got guaranteed tickets. They weren't season ticket holders all sitting in one position. So I don't know how it technically works about how they even access the tickets in the first place if they've had that allocation cut, you know, there's an argument as to why one person is entitled to a ticket more than another. We talked about this on the live show. You know, I'm worried we're getting into a very dangerous scenario where some fans believe they're more entitled to a ticket than somebody else. So why should somebody who is part of, you know, a a supporter group, any group, you know, be entitled to a ticket more than um, a person going to their first game? You know, I've always been of the opinion that, somebody who's been going to Arsenal has had a red membership for 10 years is just entitled to go to a game as somebody going to their first game. If you're an Arsenal fan, you know, for me, you are all equal. There is no Arsenal fan that's more of an Arsenal fan than someone else that wants to go to a game and support the club that they support. You know, that's, that's my opinion. I know that it's not always the most popular. I know that not everyone agrees with me. But for me, If you're a fan, you're as entitled to go as much as anyone else. And that's why I do have to kind of explain to people when they talk about and complain about the ticket system at the moment is that, you know, there are more people that want tickets than there are tickets to be given. So when people are posting onto social media that they've been unlucky in the ballot four times, I try to explain to people that if you're going off a red membership, I think there's something like a 2% chance if every single red membership applies to that ballot, I think there's less than a 2% chance of you getting a ticket. So if you've missed four out of four games, the likelihood that that's probably going to happen because you've got a 2% chance less than that if every single red member is applying for the ballot, you know, around that figure. And if it's less than that, it's still, you, you know, if it's half of that, it's only going to be doubling the percentage chance. So you're looking at 4%. You know, if half of the number of red memberships do it, it's then only going to be 4% chance that you're going to get a ticket. So... It's just demand, and it's just the availability. Uh, it's Again, another example where it's just counting. So it sucks that people can't get tickets. It sucks that uh, people are left disappointed. But that is just the reality. It's, it is just the reality. Can we improve the system? Yes. Do we have to try and tackle touting? Absolutely. Touting should be tackled. Touting should be discouraged. Touting should be eradicated. But... um yeah it's it, when when we talk about loyalty what defines loyalty it's very difficult to to come to an agreed consensus on this uh let's go to um james says uh just an analysis i heard last night on a channel i uh, didn't watch it myself let me find it uh wasn't Timber's first half injury on the other knee second half acl was actually the other knee so we can't blame him for not taking him off. No, I, I don't. It's not about kind of the blame about taking him off. I just felt like if a player's had an injury where he's gone down receiving treatment in the first half, and you've got all of this depth, you know, let's say hypothetically, have injured the other knee, you know, I would have been saying the same thing. You know, I think you've got all this depth. You're two new up at home. You can bring on Tommy Asu or Kivior. Just just do it. And I don't think we should. You know, take those risks with that player in particular. You know, if we're talking about Bakaya Saka, it might be different because we don't have the same level of depth that we do at left back. So you want to, you know, you're 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 more willing. And if the scoreline is nil nil and you still need Saka on the field, I get that. But like Timber at two nil up, I just think there is a good, there is a fair argument that we didn't need to risk him in the second half. But I'm not going to. Arteta is not at fault for the injury at all. I just think it's more of a case of um in the future i think it's a learning curve you know if a player has received extensive treatment for something in the first half and you've got really good depth in a position just make the change you know but it's not arteta's fault that <laughs> timber has got an acl injury because it's completely by chance in an innocuous situation um says, is do other leagues have refereeing issues yeah <laughs> Watch La Liga, mate. Goodness me. Um, Mr. Brez says, are you hopping on the Arsenal lounge this season? We are. Unfortunately, we had to cancel last night's show because um, uh, Lev got called away. It's it's difficult at the moment because obviously before it was Lev and Shaheen hosting, um, but because Shaheen's away uh, and he's not in, in the country at the moment and has very limited access to Wi-Fi. If Lev has a family thing, we have to cancel, which sucks, but it's just a reality. But hopefully we'll be able to put some shows on for this season because I do enjoy chatting with the boys. Uh, William Salibak says, TC, why do players throw their toys out of the pram when a big team comes knocking? And why are these grown men sitting in prams in the first place? Um, what do you mean? Do they throw their toys at the pram when a big team comes knocking? I don't really get the question, to be honest. Maybe add some clarity for me, silly back, and I'll try. and I don't really get it. I don't. Why are they complaining when big teams come along? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they are. Um, Abbez, is exactly my point. Why risk a player when all the summer transfer window we have? We have all this depth. And, and that's kind of what I'm saying. Again, I don't think you can point the finger at Arteta and say, you're the reason why you got that ACO injury. What I can think you can say is that if a player has received extensive treatment for an unrelated issue in the first half, You just don't need to take the risk. And I think that's probably what we'll learn from in the future. Amir says, I know that we have many options at left-back, but should we really look at it that way? Most are natural centre-backs anyway. And what we have, multiple defensive issues like a few seasons ago. Hope this makes sense. It does make sense. What I would say, though, is that we don't play with a left-back. You know, It's it's not really what I would describe as a traditional left-back position. It's actually a position now which can be fulfilled by a player that's played the majority of their time at centre-back. Uri Timber last season, played every single Eredivisie match for Ajax at right centre-back. Wasn't right-back, wasn't left-back. He played at centre-back. And yet he played there at left-back playing in the the mould and style of a player that he's got with these skills. And Kivior as well has played left-back plenty for Poland. Has played left-back, even left-wing-back for Udinese. Not Udinese. um, Spezia, sorry. Similar looking badge, aren't they? Black and white. Um, But uh, when it comes to... When it comes to those players, I don't think that it's an issue. I think that we don't play with a TNE style player. And that's why the depth exists effectively for us in that position personally. That's the way that I see it. So there you go. Uh, Jalali says, I'm genuinely deflated after the timber injury. Me too. Uh, this is a hammer blow that could be the difference this season. And I have full confidence in Arteta to find a replacement. And I do. I really hope that they do. For me, it is an absolute must that we do. Because I think there is scope to say that, as I said before, I think Holding's going to go eventually. Tini's going to go eventually. I think Tommy Asu could move on one day. Um, who else have we got there? You know, it's not impossible to even think that Kivior could get, you know, someone might come along and offer him regular football and he might therefore then want to leave, you know. It's not impossible to to see that happening. Gabrielle's being linked, you know, with the move away from the club at the moment. Who's to say? Zinchenko's had significant, you know, n- injury issues i think it makes sense to go out and bring somebody in um i say it should be a right back you know i think a right back that can play center back as well would be great and i think simican fits that as a as a profile so that would be the player that i'd personally go with um so there that that would probably be my choice um James says, Tom, would you consider selling Balogun to Spurs? If so, should they pay more? I don't think I'd ever consider it. I think the money that they'd have to offer would go beyond anything realistic that I think they would offer. So I just can't see me ever seeing it happen and agreeing to it for the money that I think that we would get offered. So no, I wouldn't. Um, Peter says, Tom, do you think the only reason the manager rule came in was about uh, ex-players and pundits complaining about Arteta every week? I think that certainly made it more public i think they got Arteta a lot more press a lot more focus so yeah i think there is a level of responsibility that pundits and players hold uh, ex-players hold regarding these new rules because they brought more attention to it so obviously that's going to get it talked about more so yeah i do think it is in part because of that um damien says i think i may be to playing for tim Timber- timber's injury i got the away shirt with his name on and number i should have known better damien there's nothing good that can come from that away shirt, my friend. And, and you've proven it. <laughs> you've you proven it, I'm afraid. Uh, Djan says, uh, Tom, any players that we can get on loan to cover our injuries? A loan is maybe something that we can consider. The problem with loan deals is it's very difficult to get good players. I suppose Joel Cancelo is the obvious one. Can you sign him on loan with an option or an obligation to buy if he reaches certain appearances? Would Man City even do that? I'd be very surprised if they would. Um, Pavard is obviously another player that I know people have talked about. Is he being linked with Manchester United? Or let's have a look. Um, yeah, maybe Man United are going in for for Pavard. Maybe he's a player that Arsenal should look at instead. Not a bad option. Uh, Cody says, Tom, if teams sell to rivals or buy from rivals, should there be a separate charge for selling and buying? Yeah, I think that absolutely you should see an improve an increase in you know a a figure. Uh, in what a player is is going to go for, so yeah, I absolutely do think there's there's a premium associated with that. Um, Charlie says Timber news was a proper gut shot. I felt like he was a game changer for us in a big way in away games. Yeah, me too. It's uh... oh, it's just so gutting. Like I really, really, really am so down about the whole Timber thing. It was a real. When it happened on the field, that that is all I thought about for the whole of the second half. Like we won, and I was overjoyed that we won. But every other ounce of my mind was distracted with this timber situation because I just knew how I know how good he is. The silver lining is that Zinchenko is expected to be fit, and that hopefully he'll be ready to come in and play against Crystal Palace. That is the hope. That is, and what I would say is that if he's not a hundred percent. Don't play him in this game. Don't rush him back. We've got Kivio, we've got Tommy Asu that can play. You know, don't rush rush Zinchenko back. Make sure that Zinchenko is in the absolute peak physical condition that he can possibly be in before you then play him. Let him get fully... If that means that we don't use him in the next two games, I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that, as long as what we're doing is ensuring that he is the absolute peak condition before coming into a game. Of course, I think you need to play games to get yourself to a certain level of match fitness, of course. But you you need to, to give that Zinchenko profile, just Zinchenko in general, I'm talking about as a profile, the man, the person, the human being. You need to give him the most opportunity to come back into the team for the longest period of time without with reducing the risk of a re-injury as much as possible. So there is no need to risk Zinny. And I think that in itself is another example of why I don't think we need to sign a left back. Because if we don't need to rush Zinchenko back, which I don't think we do, because we've got Kivior and we've got uh, Tomiyasu, I don't think that we need to necessarily rush him back. And what a great place to be in this situation now. Like how great is it that we sit here talking about the fact that an injury to a key player... It's not got me panicking in the sense that that position in particular needs cover. I would like to see us sign somebody. If we get to the end of the window and we haven't signed a defender, I will be a bit gutted, you know. But I don't think it's as gutted as I was, say, in January 2022 when we let Bamian go and we didn't sign a striker. You know, that I thought was a big, big problem. You know, but you look at this situation where we find ourselves in now, we have a lot of depth in defence, but I would I would like us, I think it is, you know, as close to a necessity as it can be really without being one maybe to bring somebody in. And I would like us to bring somebody in. And I think that would be the right step for Arsenal to take. So let's see if they indeed, indeed end up doing that. Um, Zuntas says, is Jules Kunde a great competition or backup for Saliba and Benoit? I don't think Barcelona would let him leave, to be honest. And I think you'd have to pay a very, very big fee to get him. So I don't think that one is possible. Um, I think we're going to round things off there. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It is very much appreciated. I hope that you have a fantastic Tuesday. As I say at the start of the show, it's the worst day of the week. So get over it, get through it, stay safe, stay well. And uh, yeah, uh, it's hopefully going to be a... A positive day. Who knows? We might even get a transfer announcement today. Let's keep our fingers crossed. We have some positivity to talk about and some positive things to discuss in tomorrow morning's show, which there will, of course, uh, be one. So thank you, everyone, for listening, tuning in. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it. Um, I may... It's difficult. There's a press conference on Thursday. Is like during the live show. So we might have to do a live show that goes over the press conference i'm actually i'm on a day off that day so i'm not working um which means i can actually do a live show whilst the press conference is going on with our ta- we might do a press conference watch along <laughs> believe it or not we might actually do that so yeah let's wait and see um what happens but uh <laughs> the press conference is due to take place when uh i'm going to be live i think so let's see what happens uh thank you everyone for tuning in uh, it's very much appreciated Um, I will see you all tomorrow morning of course and uh, drop a like, subscribe, all that lovely stuff takes just a second, helps us out massively leave your comments down below on anything you think you've got thoughts on and as always and most importantly up the Arsenal it's the 90 plus minute